Swing low, swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. I looked over Jordan and what did I see? Coming for to carry me home. A big fat Cadillac coming for me. (laughs) Coming for to carry me home. They call me the word man because I always forget the words. (laughs) That's funny. Welcome to Restore Gospel Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Mike Barrett. I'm Corey Stark. I'm not quite ready, though, because I'm eating some of Mike's jerky. It's really good. (laughs) (laughs) We are two friends coming at you live from Independence, Missouri, although it'll be taped when you hear it. (laughs) Mike Mike makes the best jerky here. He he feeds me. It's his way of luring me over to podcasts. Hey, you want a podcast? I got some jerky I just made. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're having casual conversation about the things of eternity, and we welcome you into that conversation i borrowed a dehydrator from a friend and thought i'd start learning how to make jerky it's another i guess covid19 activity (laughs) while i'm hunkering down at home for most of the time and uh and it went well and so i bought a more industrial size dehydrator and um i do about four pounds at a time hamburger jerky and uh, just have fun trying to tweak the recipes and um I tried a little Italian dressing in the last batch, and it seemed to be pretty mm, good. But It's good. I'm chewing on it right now, trying to clear my voice. <laughs> we got three pounds of deer burger thawing right now in the fridge, so there'll be some deer jerky hopefully by the end of the day. Um, so anyway, what does that have to do with the kingdom of God? I don't know, but the jerky sure tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the nature and the desire to create and make wonderful things. Oh, do you know what the word carnal means? I just remembered this. What? Uh, now, as I'm holding this piece of meat in my hands that you provided for me, carnal came from the idea of when a butcher strips meat off the bone. That's literally what it meant in the Hebrew days, the, the idea of like flesh being pulled from the bone, about as raw and natural a picture as you can imagine. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so carnal, sensual, and devilish. Mm-hmm. Carnal is meat just... Stripped from the bone. <laughs> so just completely absence of any spirit yeah. just just life life yeah. Yeah. flesh yeah. just yeah. just just the 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 in the i'm i'm sure there's parallels on multiple levels but of you know the 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 muscle helps the bones move but the muscles can't move unless there's bone there to support or can't do anything right they gotta move something but but all of that just stripped apart from itself and is is useless too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well there we are right back at the things of eternity we were talking last time about the very very simple message of our garments being made white. And Corey, you brought up an interest. You talked about, uh, you know, your dogs <laughs> wrestling around and stench um, and getting it all over them and needing to be cleansed before they come back in the house. You talked about your brother and a little yeah. grape juice fiasco <laughs> that got you guys a new house <laughs> due to him puking on the white yeah. carpet. There you go. So that, that was well played by your, by your younger yeah, brother. Yeah. And um, so here we are in Third Nephi twelve thirty two. Now look at this word picture. 
Therefore nothing, nothing entereth into his rest, save it be those who have washed their garments in my blood because of their faith and the repentance of all their sins and their faithfulness unto the end. What's that picture, Corey? When you take a, a brand new white t-shirt and you put it into a tub full of blood, what's going to happen when you pull it out? <laughs> Isn't that funny? You know, you picture that picture, a tub of blood and it says, Hey, you don't make it to God's kingdom unless your garments soaked in this blood. And when they soak in this blood, they come out spotless. Right. I mean, yeah, I actually worked at the plant that makes uh, uh, like laundry detergent and those all, I won't mention the famous names and stuff, but their whole point is they're working because in our life, blood stains, right? If you get blood on your garments, it's a hard thing to get out. Right? I've drawn many a lab sitting at the bedside <laughs> from patients. And I will tell you, if, if you think you can do that for 10 years or 15 years and never get any blood on you, you're wrong. But, but I tell you, as soon as that blood gets on your scrubs, you're grabbing the peroxide and scrubbing it. And you know, if it sits on there for any amount of time, it's going to be almost impossible to get out. And so you want to get it out right away. But blood yeah, uh, I've worked in a very bloody uh, oh, <laughs> line of work, and and it it gets on things, and you can go back years later and swab it, and you can find DNA, and you it leaves traces, it stains, it is a marker, it is it's something to be reckoned with, and so here we're talking about you have to take all of your garments and wash it in the blood of Jesus, and it's an opposite, yeah. so that it can come out brand new and clean yeah totally opposite of our blood you know i my my only quote from shakespeare is probably from macbeth because in the sixth grade we were in this play and i can only remember this one line when lady macbeth after confronting her crime states out damn spot out i say because her (laughs) garments were spotted with the blood of the murder that she was part of right and our garments are spotted with the blood of our sin but his blood removes the stain now are we gonna have to put the explicit warning on no, this one for no 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 fu- yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> isn't that funny yeah just for the record uh the first curse word on restore gospel podcast oh, was, was but I, it's made shakespeare. by Corey. It's, it's the shakespeare, shakespeare right? so yeah yeah so yeah the um but here it is again i just sometimes i wonder if god just says we do i do all of these things just to make you go hmm and ponder because we want our garments to be stained by the blood of Christ because by so doing they become white and yeah, pure completely. Yeah. What does that mean? And, what, yeah, go ahead. Well, what about what about the picture there where it says, wa- okay, a picture them back in the day, how they washed their garments. It wasn't um, throwing in the Kenmore and put it on spin cycle <laughs> for, you know, for the, the mother load, but it was, I imagine going down to the creek and or into a, a container Tub, and, and yeah. submerging your garment mm-hmm. and rubbing it against something harsh. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm Little House on the Prairie, one of my favorite shows. I remember Ma Ingalls just washing on the tub with the with the yeah. board. Yeah, you're washing your garments, draining them, rinsing them, swishing them around, and here it says you have to do that in blood. Mm-hmm. Well, so what is that? That means if we're talking about your garments being your life, your soul, your your spirit, um, and that they're supposed to be made white, washed in his blood, what does that, that mean when you're taking that and just completely submerging it in him, being being completely surrounded by him? Isn't that, isn't that the word picture? That's ultimately what it means is that 
our focus becomes realizing unless I'm totally immersed in this idea that Jesus can has the answer, is the solution, can change me from sinful to spiritual, but totally immersed in it, that's the idea that I think God wants us to have is that there can be no doubt, there can be nothing that we let separate us from this idea. Yes. We have to come to the Savior. Because it says, because of their faith and repentance. Faith in what? Faith in the power of Jesus to save you. Right, right. Author and finisher. You, it's so hard for me to have faith uh, in in the message that I that I had growing up. It's just it's just hard for me to be. Yeah, we keep coming back to that. I know, but it it's, penet- it, it's it's become it penetrated the fabric it, of all of us. This this message here has to penetrate the fabric of all of us, no matter where you're at in the world, no matter what you've done, no matter what church you belong to, no matter what kind of sins you've done. If anything here resonates within you. If anything here gives you hope and and um, light and something to work towards or something to even just ponder on and say, hmm, if this is true, what kind of hope is there for me in the future? This is the message. This is the word of God. No matter what you've heard or what you've done in your life or where you're at, listen to this. Nothing will enter into the rest of your creator, into his rest Save it be those who have washed their garments in my blood. That means that word nothing, that means no one, no person, no faith, no religion, no belief system, no political party, no no uh, white, black, brown, yellow person anywhere will go into the rest of God unless you are washed by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And and when you think about what that looks like, washing your garment in a tub full of blood, that means encompassed by him. And how do you do that? By having faith that he will surround you and make you clean. And that leads to repentance, which allows you to have joy and to know that this is true. And then just carry on knowing that until the end. That's, that's the beautiful hope that every one of us have, and that's the only message that you need to focus on because the devil and all of the powers that be in this world will try to pull your mind away from that and put a big butt or a big footnote at the end. I love saying big butt. A big a big comma or a colon or whatever you want to say or a footnote that says, but, 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 what about this? Yeah. What no, about those thoughts you had? Like, what about what you did? What about what you plan to do tomorrow? What about all of that? You got to keep this in front of your eyes, this word, this picture of Jesus saving you. This is so exciting to me, Mike. This this is the message to the world that God didn't want because we stumbled. This is what the Book of Mormon says. This is why it came back as as a gift to show God's mercy so that there could be no question. So so we wouldn't struggle with this understanding that he wants to remove our sin completely and yet there's no way the sin gets removed at all unless we fully come to him and, and become, you know, this desire to be immersed in his sacrifice for us. This is the message of the Book of Mormon. I, I want to say this uh, for people who have listened to the Book of Mormon or read it, but for people who haven't, you know, if, if you haven't read the Book of Mormon before, chances are you've heard things against it. There's there's a lot of biases out there. There's mockery of it. And some of that with good reason, because people who have 
held the Book of Mormon, sometimes closely and advertised, you know, we follow the Book of Mormon, or we have the Book of Mormon, sometimes have done things with their lives or their belief structure that have been totally contrary to it. And I, I'm not talking about just the sin of individuals, but I'm talking about is doctrine of groups. But this book, and we're reading from the RLDS version, which has uh, just got different chapters and verses. The words are generally all the same. From Third Nephi, the third book of Nephi, chapter 12, verse 32. If you've got an LDS version, which if you've never read a Book of Mormon before, just pick up anyone. It doesn't matter right now if it's the RLDS or LDS version. That chapter and verse is going to be chapter, or the third book of Nephi, chapter 27, 19. Third book of Nephi, 27, 19. In, in the LDS version of the Book of Mormon. Third Nephi 12, verse 32 in the RLDS. But the point is this. This is is the Jesus. This is the Messiah, despite what anyone has ever said on the radio or preached from uh, a different church's pulpit, railing against the Book of Mormon, saying, well, those people don't believe in this Jesus. You do. No, this is the Savior. This is that Savior. And this is one of the purest descriptions of his of what his plan is for us, is to totally remove our sin by the total sacrifice he offered of his blood for us. Third Nephi 9.25 says this, It came to pass that Jesus beheld them as they did pray unto him, and his countenance did smile upon them, and the light of his countenance did shine upon them. And behold, they were as white as the countenance and also the garments of Jesus. Jesus, the one that came, took on flesh, did no sin, died with a clean conscience, with no stain of sin upon him, other than the stains of the world that he took upon him. That countenance was given to shine upon them, and they became as white as his countenance and his garments. And that's what it means to be cleansed by the power of the blood, because because of his eternal sacrifice, we can receive that whiteness, that cleanness, and and that joy that comes from having no more stain upon us. You know, I picture your mom trying to scrub that carpet full of grape juice and, um, and what, uh, uh, <laughs> the panic moment. Yeah. And what a deal that must've been. Oh, yeah. But, um, but imagine the love of Christ just scrubbing your soul like that. And, and the stains that you thought couldn't come out are miraculous. Ah, uh, we, we, we probably don't consciously think about, all of the weight of sin that's uh, been experienced upon our souls over the years. Yeah. And that's the crushing thing that Jesus says, you can't understand this unless it's even shown to you. That's stated in another scripture. But the fact is he's trying to save us from the consequence of our sin being on our soul eternally. Because he said, here's how the story ends. Every person lives forever. Right, And you're going to either live with God or without him. But if we live without him, your sin does not be, get removed. It, does, it stays with you. And he said, that causes immense pain that you can't understand. You know, I fully believe that there's a symbol in the fact that when Jesus died on the cross, you think about any way someone could have died. I mean, you know, they, they did lots of things to kill people, and, and I won't list them here. I've already sworn on our podcast, right? I can't, <laughs> I can't be grisly and gruesome now, but you know the, the things people have done to each other over time. But crucifixion 
was deemed as the worst possible form of slow death that humans could inflict on someone else. And, and not to go through all the physiological things that happen, but it was deemed the, the one of the worst acts of terror and it was the worst way to die. But there's a symbol in that is that Jesus died the worst way that humans could devise uh, to, to die to show us that our spiritual death would be as agonizing but on a level of infinity of what our, our death would be, our separation from him, that, that death, if we don't have our sin removed. He, he did that in a physical way, I think, demonstrating the spiritual, that our life would forever be like hanging on a cross, slowly dying, but not mm. able to die. Yeah. That's, yeah. well, we may, um, we can debate what our, what our literal heritage is going way back, whether we are part of the house of Israel or not, but there's no mistake that the message in the Book of Mormon says this about who will be in the kingdom in the end. And this is Ether 610, Then cometh the new Jerusalem, and blessed are they which shall dwell therein, for it is they whose garments are white through the blood of the Lamb. And they are they which are numbered among the remnant of the seed of Joseph, which were of the house of Israel. So uh, one group, one baptism, one repentance, one faith, one family of God, you know, to cleansed be, in the blood of Jesus. Yeah, those that are cleansed in the blood of Jesus and those that are not. I had this thought the other day, Corey, and um, I was listening to a very, <laughs> uh, maybe a confession of sins. I was listening to a podcast on the way home from a visit, and it was John Bon Jovi. John Bon Jovi was being interviewed by Hey, someone. I watched Eddie Van Halen's videos this week. You know, he passed away. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, I grew up a child of the 80s, right? Yeah, right. And Slippery When Wet was uh, <laughs> was the very, and the album that was out when I was about a freshman or sophomore in high school. And so we listened to that every day back and forth to practice. But I've seen him through the years. He's done a lot of charity work. He's, he's feeding thousands of people weekly from his, um, from his, well, they've got a, a number of places. They were going to work with this nun in this inner city to uh, renovate a house, and he went down there and talked to her and then looked and said, what would it cost to do the whole block? And so he, this mm -hmm. this this nun that had been pretty hard on him, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but he uh, anyway, he ended up working with this whole community, and he said, what, what could we do if we could change the community? And then COVID hit and said, how do we feed this community? And so he's done a lot of good work, but I was listening, you know, probably uh, left-leaning both of them. I, and, and as often happens, I wondered what's the motivation for what you're doing? Is it to feel good about yourself? Is it out of compassion for you? You know, there's a variety of reasons people do that. Anyway, it's a good thing. But of course they got into this, you know, when I was younger, I didn't understand my privilege as a, as a white person or whatever. And they started talking about the privilege, and I just, I thought for a moment, I thought, do we understand the damnable place we are in as human beings, regardless of the color of our skin? And, and I believe in, you know, we should treat each other equally, and everyone should be treated fairly. I realize that's never going to happen in a sinful world, but but to say that someone's privileged because of how much money they have, or the color of their skin, or even how easy of a life they have from looking at a physical standpoint, that's absolutely true. There is no doubt that people are born into prosperity and 
they never have to work a blue collar job or by the sweat of their brow or you know whatever you want to look at it when you're looking at it from the purely physical blessings of this physical world for this 60 to 80 years we're alive you can say there's a lot of privilege and there's a lot of people that have a a leg up on other people but when you look at it from a, a spiritual standpoint that every soul ever birthed into this world is going to come face to face with the holy God of Israel and be consumed if they are not found spotless. There is no privilege other than the privilege that Christ gives to those that come to him. Mm. And those that haven't heard that story or that um, message are the ones that, that don't have any privilege to to be free or to experience eternal life. Now, the fullness of the gospel tells us that those that don't have that opportunity aren't damned to hell forever, but will have that opportunity as their heart quits beating and they go on into the next phase of life. They'll have that opportunity to learn. We, we know that there's a place for that set up in the word of God. But to continually look at this world as just I'm going to get what I deserve and everything needs to be given to me as I need it here in this world um, because that's the only reward. That's when our thinking gets off. And and we should always, of course, we strive and we want to, we want to help people and, and not have them be so beat down by their physical circumstances. But no one is privileged when it comes to sin. Mm-hmm. We all suffer from sin. And that's the message that we have to get out is that we need to be saved from our sin. That's what it sounds almost incorrect or, or like hateful to say, but that's the state. That's the state of every human being alive right now. We have to be saved from our sin. That's what puts us all on a level playing field, right? That's a great point, you know, because we we want to look at it like it's about privilege or how much material things we have in this world that distinguishes one from another. But that's not how God sees it at all. He sees this fact that, no, you're all stained with sin. That's what the scripture means when it says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. You know, this is how the Book of Mormon clearly states we were in the grasp of justice. All these all these different terms mean the same thing, is that God sees us all as a we are, we're all stained with sin. This is where the scripture where he says, I'm no respecter of persons kicks in because he's not looking at, well, you were the president of the United States and well, you drove a truck. Well, you did this. He's, he doesn't line us up according to the ranks we held mm-hmm. in this world. It's no, you're all sinful. And the ones who came to me broken and contrite because of their sin, the law of eternity states my sacrifice can make the justice you are facing go away. And now you have mercy. If we don't come to him, the beautiful message of the Book of Mormon is so clear. If we don't come to him and have that sin removed or our garments washed in his blood, as the scripture beautifully states, we stand on the left hand. And that's the division of all of us. That's it. And and I and honestly, I was backing into my garage, and and that's where the interview went. And it was like because of my white privilege, and I just wanted to throw. Oh. I just I was so angry because, not because of what he was saying, but because in my heart, I'm like, I struggle so much with my sinful flesh. I don't feel privileged. I 
I realize I have a, a better house than 90% of the world and I have a beautiful car and I have a job that has income, but, but in the end, and that's where I live. I just can't live in that. And that's just me. And I, mm-hmm. I get, I think I understand that perspective. Of course, mm-hmm. I understand that perspective, but when you're, I think when you focused on the eternal and, and, and the righteousness of God, not that I live that way all the time, more often than not, I'm focused on my failings to, to, to measure up. I don't feel any privilege in that at all. I just feel like I'm in a predicament that that I'm I'm being hurled towards this great finale of face to face with my creator and and I'm running out of time to get it right and yet I know that if I'm not reading these words in the Bible that my thinking just goes off right away. But I have to live in that area of we're all in that playing field. I I can't do my mind can't handle the inequity in the in the world, I can't fix that. I, I can just do what I can do to try to, you know, to help people. But, but I'm so in that, that space of we're all on the equal playing field of being sinful and having to be made righteous. Well, you know, not to go political in this, and, and I, I really, I don't think I'll say anything political, but when you talked about this uh, famous person's comment, well, my white privilege or whatever, you know, all this, whether it's that or whether it's climate change, there's these topics that are in our society that are supposed they they're supposed to bring people back to a false sense of humility in a way that the world uses to ultimately the bottom line is simply this extract money out of someone for someone else's purpose that they feel like they were you know not treated fairly so we get money you know whether it was well you enslaved our great great grandparents so give us money or you had white privilege so give us money or or you're putting too much carbon in the world, so give someone else money, right? All these things are what the world tries to do in a, in a way of the world to make people think they're somehow absolving their conscience. But none of those things fix the sin problem, which is all of what the scriptures have been saying all along. And and so we confuse these messages and these good causes, thinking, well, he, he, he did all those great things to maybe feel better about his quote white privilege you know using that term that he used and it's like still we as you know god's people can't confuse that you know these ideas that the world throws out as social justice or whatever these things are just thinly disguised political agendas generally that have even crept into the church and that we can't ever lose sight of the fact that no it isn't how much money you were born with or family you were brought into or whatever the the point is that it's all about our sin no matter who we are and it's only that turning from sin that can make any difference in the world if if we have tons of money and build lots of neighborhoods and stuff but we continue to all be sinful in heart it doesn't matter how beautiful the homes in those neighborhoods are because they're going to be filled with people who are still cut off from god from eternity yeah and the ironic thing is i i truly believe that as we come to Christ to become new creatures and we become forgiven, like the lady in the scriptures and Christ said, whoever's forgiven much loves much. Well, each one of us doesn't recognize how much we need to be forgiven of. And as we come to understand our station in life and how many people I've hurt in this life, how many words I've spoken out of turn, you know, how many souls I may have steered away from, from God, or at the very least haven't pointed towards the source of my hope. I have so much 
I have so much uh, to pay for personally, you know, in my own life, regardless of paying for what my ancestors did. I, I have a lot of responsibility just for how I've lived and getting to that point where all I want to do is tell people about the Lord when I'm forgiven of that and become clean and that spirit recreates within me, I, if that would happen on a mass scale, then these other problems of the physical world we're in would go away, you know, but you can't, you can't take away the physical injustices and inequalities without the other message. And I think that's where I land in all of the stuff going on in society today is I don't see people arguing about the sin problem. It's all about everything else and how can we make this right and who did what to what culture. And it's just like, I, but the problem is the sin problem. And that's, that's what every Christian really should be pointing towards. Not, not getting on the, the social justice bandwagon without pointing that out, because that is the root cause of, of what is going on. That's evil in this world. Amen. Amen. And we're all in the same boat as humanity. We don't, <laughs> we just, we don't get that, the need to be cleansed, every one of us. Well, yeah. And that scripture, uh, you read, uh, this new Jerusalem that comes, blessed are they who dwell therein, their garments are washed white through the blood of the lamb. That is still the barrier. That is the difference is that the people who are in God's kingdom for eternity, but also the people who we believe when, when the Lord comes, he establishes his kingdom on earth. This place where he dwells are those who have come to him and had his, their sin removed. Uh, there's, there's no amount of money that could change that. There, there's no amount of politics. You know, it's, it's not, it's not someone's internet site. It's not whatever it, it's, it's coming back as we all individually have to do and decide we want to be immersed in in the salvation that God offers. That's what separates all humanity, one from the other. I'm aware that um, probably most of the people that listen to this podcast, and as well as other uh, Christian resources, are already on the road to wanting to know him more, and wanting to make their lives right, and they're doing this because of their or they're spending time listening as they do going to church and things because of that desire. But Corey, think of, of the anger and hatred in the world right now and people that aren't even close to being on that pathway. What kind of suffering lies ahead for humanity? Mm-hmm. And what, what kind of opportunity lies ahead? Um, Robert uh, Taylor last week talked about uh, growing up in the 60s and you know, they wanted to change the world and challenge the establishment and set up their own order and realize that in all of that stuff that was going on back then that that there was just a hopelessness and that, that wasn't the way. And there was a great revival as people started to come to Christ and all these musicians that were in the rock and roll world were becoming Christian musicians and writing songs for Jesus and this great revival. And, um, and as you've always said, Corey, when the Lord moves on one hand with humbling and destruction, there's a hand of mercy. What um, opportunities lie ahead for us right now to preach the simple message that um, we're all stained with sin and we need to be washed white, the simple message of the Book of Mormon? What opportunities? But we have to first solidify that in our own hearts and right. believe that message and, and not just believe it, but feel the fruit of that message in our life. Yeah, yeah that's ultimately it. 
Yeah, when you look at rioting and things happening right now, even as we speak on this podcast in different places in our country, things which we haven't really known in our lives, not to this scale anyhow, um, you know, that the real message isn't, well, you know, we'll be better if we just vote in the person that we wanted or we'll be better when we do something with the police or we'll be better if we if you give us money, you know, and all these things. The, the ultimate thing is, the only cure comes, we'll, we'll all be better when, when our hearts change and when we want to put away sinful things. I, I think there's never been a time like there is now that this message is ringing true where at least we can see whether or not we can affect a change, I guess, is to be determined later, but whether we can see how important it is that we understand what the, what the real message is, you know, um, the Book of Mormon has so many messages that are beyond, um, oh, I, I like to talk about prophecy and history and the symbols that the Book of Mormon explains so well about those things and end time things that are going to unfold. But there's a whole nother level of questions that are answered by the Book of Mormon that, that talk about like, sim- they're, they're deep things, but they're kind of profound. But they're simple questions like, why are we here? Or why is there so much inequality in the world, right? Um, believe it or not, those questions, the things that seem to befuddle theologians and philosophers, um, they're answered in the Book of Mormon. They're, they're answered in a way which satif- satisfies, I believe, the, the question to know that there's a reason for suffering. There's, it puts in perspective why there is so much pain. And I, I know we've said this before that there are times when people will challenging Christianity in general say things as a as an accusation against Christianity like oh if if your God loves you so much Mike then why is there so much pain in the world right you know mm-hmm. they'll, they'll try to throw those things out to say you know as if the uh, assumed answer is well there can't be a God if there's so much pain in the world but what I've found is that, while, while the Bible seems to just throw out a lot of those strugglings, and yet it mentions, I you know, the, Jesus says, hey, um, it, it talks about Satan. He says, I am greater than him. You know, I, I have come to, um, uh, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You know, it teaches those beautiful answers that we can have this assurance of Jesus being stronger than the evil in this world the, the Book of Mormon gives us explanation as to why the inequality even exists and and how that it's because, you know, God is the author of salvation, but Satan is the author of sin and how his desire because of this great left hand and right hand of existence we have, this opposition in all things is the reason why inequality exists. But when we come to Christ, the Book of Mormon teaches that's the answer that will someday end the inequality. That in this world for now, we are continually going to experience the opposition. You know, we're, we're going to feel the effects of God, but we're going to see the effects of Satan until the end. And, and the, the promise is, though, that by coming to him, we will be freed from it. But that the plan from the beginning was that, you know, this opposition wasn't, just a mistake, if you will, that God wasn't prepared for, that the opposition in all things 
was the the stage, if you will, that he placed us on to to now act out our lives. And it's like, okay, you're going to get tugged. There's it's like a magnet that's pulling one side or the other. And your choices, the way you listen to my, read my word and listen to the guidings of my spirit are going to allow you to know if you should get pulled to the left or pulled to the right or stay in the middle. And, and this is the course of life for all of us. And, and that it's not by chance that these afflictions occur in the world, that these hardships exist, that there is suffering, that God says, no, this is all because of this angel who fell, who knows intimately well how the opposition in all things is designed and knows how to manipulate that to deceive you in, in all things. And, and this has been the, it's been a demonstration of the, the power of evil because there's a power of evil, but it's, it's, only, it's a foreshadow of the fact that God's been saying all along, but my power to overcome evil is much greater than the evil, that I can do this. And this is what it comes down to. It comes down to the response of your heart. And if your heart wants to choose something different, you can come to, to me and I will give you a portion of my spirit and it will change you. And that there's a process in which we demonstrate in a physical sense that we want to have that new life. That's in baptism by, by water immersion. That baptism is when you're coming and you're acknowledging and you're witnessing to the world, hey, I want to be this new creature in Christ. And, and as, as a body would go down in the grave and come out new like a, a spirit, the, the body goes into the water and comes out new, refreshed. There's also the symbol in that same act of, of birth, of, of literally coming out new into the world from the water. But nevertheless, there's a spiritual component when that gift of the Holy Ghost, which is promised to all those who come to him, Jesus says, and the Book of Mormon says it so clearly, whoever comes to me with a broken heart and contrite spirit, I will baptize you with fire and the Holy Ghost. I will change your spirit. I will, I will put this seed that only I can place within your soul, and if you let it grow and if you nourish it, it will grow and bring forth fruit to, to guide you so you know, so you have wisdom to make choices so that when the, the tug of opposition would pull you to the left, you have the strength to go to the right. These are the things that the Book of Mormon teaches so clearly. So we shouldn't be surprised, um, and we shouldn't be fearful about the existence that's all around us. It gives us hope to know that um, that his plan is sure, and his power to save is infinite for us. A couple episodes um, last week, and then one we did uh, maybe the week before, or a few back, was about two things. One was a atheist, a uh, young, young woman who was an atheist and shared her testimony of how she grew up and then how God came into her life and healed her in an instant from a terrible disease. You know, she was in the bathtub throwing up um, and had been doing it every day for four years. And the question finally came, you know, she never thought about this, like, how long? Like, is this ever going to end? Am I destined for this forever? And just thinking the name Jesus and how she was healed in the moment. And then Robert last week shared his testimony of a prayer he offered, that if you're a God, you would want me to know you, and, and, and I will make yourself known, and I will follow you. And he had that experience in the middle of 
of all things, Jesus Christ Superstar in a movie theater in the 60s, this rock opera that was made by a Jew and an atheist, which I didn't realize, mm. that the Lord touched him through that. And he actually heard that that voice, this is my son, but not just that, follow him. And that had been his prayer, who do I follow? One thing that was a common denominator in both of that, and one thing that I think gives God a bad rap, both of those people, in my opinion, at least from their testimony, shared uh, this word, and it was sincere, sincerity. And I thought about that this week because Robert said, you know, we need to submit. That is our work. We need to submit to God. The Book of Mormon's message is that about be willing to submit to all things, whatever he does to you as a child submits to his father. That submission, I like it because they both start with S, and so I could remember it. Submission and sincerity. Mm. Sincerity, I believe, is another word of saying broken heart, contrite spirit. They... Both of those testimonies reached a point in their life where they were willing to give up everything to know the truth. That young lady used in her testimony the word, I was obsessed. I was obsessed with finding out how life began and where it went. And, and I thought, if there was a God, wouldn't he want me to know him? It was so honest in her pursuit. And she asked him to answer her and he answered her by healing her. She didn't expect that to be the answer. No, no. she just came with sincerity. She stumbled for words to even describe the feeling. Yeah. And she, in a, in a great motherly way, she actually showed the scriptures that she said, when I hug my son, something goes out from my heart, this feeling. And she said, I was receiving that feeling and it was even greater than the love I have for my son, which is, <laughs> Oh, and so and so Robert said the same thing. He he said I wasn't he said I was sincere. It was a sincere prayer. It wasn't a great prayer, but it was sincere. Like he really wanted to know. And so sometimes we say, Well, why is God silent? And it may seem like a cop out, I think, from the opposition's viewpoint, but you have to say, Well, how sin how sincere are you? Have you suffered enough? Are you willing to give up enough? Are you willing to give up everything? Where are you at on that continuum of sincerity? Mm. And it would be my belief that God would work with each one of us to bring us to a point of sincerity where we finally had enough or we finally just say, I have to know I can't be this way any longer. Yeah. Maybe longer for some. Maybe some of us are more stubborn, more chastening. I don't know, but sincerity is, is so important. That's broken and contrite. I am sincere. I am one in purpose. That's the only thing I want to know. Here, here's here's something I found in my own life, and I and I go back to the book of Job because it's it speaks to me. When we do exactly what um, you did, when when we realize our sinful state is to our detriment, and we, with the sincerity of our heart, come to God, He, he gives us the assurance that He's going to respond to that in that way. What I confuse in my life is when I'm suffering in pain because of maybe my own doing or maybe not, but life is just hard. Sometimes, and I do this with, I think, maybe too much sincerity because I can become frustrated or angry towards God in my prayer in, in a way where I like demand, God, tell me why this is happening. Tell me why I'm going through this, right? That I've asked sincerely, and that's when the, the heavens can continue to be silent. And in this way, I think I learned this from Job, 
he did the same thing. You know, Job, through all of his suffering, losing his family, his, his wealth, his, his reputation, his health, everything all at once, he didn't lose his integrity towards God. But it didn't mean that he didn't ask God, you know, why did these things happen? But in the end, what Job finds is that God never really answered that question because the answer to that question, why am I suffering in this world, is the same for all of us. It's because the answer is already given. It's because we're a, it's, it's a fallen world. But when we come to God and say, I'm suffering because I'm separated from you, can I, can, can I have this forgiveness? He says to everyone, I, I give this freely. I, I give you this freely. Um, I, I want to read this scripture, Mike, because you mentioned sure. this word sincerity. Uh, this it, it, Again, the Book of Mormon, it just speaks for itself. This is from, in the RLDS version, Helaman chapter 2, verse 25. If you have the LDS version, it's Helaman chapter 3, verse 28. It says this, Thus we may see that the Lord is merciful unto all who will, in the sincerity of their hearts, call upon his holy name. Yea, thus we see that the gate of heaven is open unto all, even to those who will believe on the name of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. Can it be any clearer than that? If you will ask in the sincerity of your heart, if you call on his name, he opens the gate of heaven to you. He denies no one. That's a promise. That's a beautiful promise. I, I can't think of a greater promise. Mm-hmm. I, that is a, I have to remember that one, that sincerity being tied into that. You well, know, this week I had a, um, something occur to me. This is related. Um, studying the book of Isaiah over the years. Oh, I can't say I try to read it. Sometimes it didn't make a lot of sense, but sometimes there are scriptures that um, in my, you know, trying to figure things out, there, there was one that puzzled me. Uh, and I, I want to share this because it ties in actually. Um, there's a place where in Isaiah, he, it's in the end of his writings. It's Isaiah. If you're reading in the King James version, or I think it's the same in the RDS, but uh, the King James reads like this. It says, uh, ho, everyone who thirsteth." And he's calling out, if you're thirsty, he says, hey, if anyone's thirsty, come to the waters that you, you that have no money, come buy and eat, buy, uh, come get wine and milk without money and without price. Now that's from Isaiah. And Isaiah lived 750-ish years before Jesus. A lot of people in this world grow up with this idea that, well, people didn't know about Jesus until the New Testament. Well, not to take that point up, but this scripture on its own always puzzled me because this idea of, hey, without money and without price, my because of political and social influences in our world, I always wondered, hey, is this talking about a social solution, like, hey, food should be free. I heard someone use this scripture once and kind of argue it. You know, it says, hey, get get milk and honey and all these things without money and without price. We And then they turn their sermon into, we shouldn't be charging for food. Should, food should be free. You know, like, like this was an economic and political and social mm. solution scripture suggesting that. And I always kind of wondered about that. And I thought, well, is that true or, or not? But what's interesting, I, I was reading this week in the uh, book of uh, second book of Nephi, and what 
is beautiful is this. Nephi quotes Isaiah, and sometimes he doesn't tell you he's quoting Isaiah, but this scripture of Isaiah from Isaiah 55.1, which seems to be just kind of, it doesn't, it doesn't explain itself. It just says, hey, come get this stuff and don't pay for it. Nephi, who's, I believe, the world's greatest uh, commenter on Isaiah's words because he lived in that day and he understood the words of the Jews and he understood the words of the prophets, and he himself seemed to be blessed with this gift of prophecy, takes this scripture, but yet he puts it in a beautiful Hebrew poetic, chiastic, all these things forms, and he says this, He says this of Jesus. He doesn't do anything, save it's for the benefit of the world. And and I'm reading from um, the second book of Nephi, chapter 11, starting at verse 96. He doesn't do anything except for the benefit of the world, for he loves the world, even that he lays down his own life, that he could draw all men unto him. And then it says, he's commanded none that they should not partake of his salvation. He cries, does he cry saying, depart from me? He says, no, but he saith, but he saith, come unto me, all ye ends of the earth, by milk and honey, without money and without price. He's quoting Isaiah right here, but he's packaging it to explain what Isaiah meant. And he's saying, Isaiah saying, get this without money and without price, is saying Jesus is offering salvation freely to everyone who will come to him in the sincerity of their heart. And he, and he says, he has he commanded anyone that they would depart? No. He says, has he commanded that any that they should not partake of his salvation? And the scripture says, behold, I say unto you, nay, but he hath given it free for all men, and he hath commanded his people that they should persuade all men to repentance. But isn't that something that here the Book of Mormon is explaining something that the Bible has stated, but solidifying it in our mind to realize that this message has been from the beginning, that whoever asks in sincerity of heart, whoever comes to God in sincerity, he will offer this salvation free. Yeah, to to me that shows that it doesn't it doesn't matter where what neighborhood you come from I, I just picture this market where people are coming in from different walks of life especially back then you know everybody was was local in this community and people are walking up and and with money they had to purchase their goods and you know the fruit stands you see them in the biblical movies and, and everybody's selling their stuff and that's how they make their money that kind of society and and if you didn't have money you were sitting there begging for it you know because you weren't privileged to go to go purchase the food, but you were sitting there with your, you know, asking for money, begging, eating the scraps, you know. And then he says, come by, you know, meta- metaphorically come by, but it's free. Receive, right. Receive it. So it doesn't matter um, what you are possessed with in this physical world. What matters is the sincerity of your heart, you know, where, where your heart's at in that's how you purchase this great um, gift is through the sincerity of your heart. And that's something that any of us mm-hmm. can have as a currency, that yeah. sincerity. I not, like that. That's how you purchase it, through the sincerity of your through heart. Through the sincerity of your heart, we can have that. 
And that's not something based on my hourly wage or based on where I live or what kind of job I have. Or who um, my parents were. No, that's, that's anybody can be on their knees in prayer or be working and be in prayer. Mm-hmm. Anybody can be seeking out their creator mm-hmm. if they know to do that. And that is the currency that buys us that freedom is the sincerity of our heart. So, so we've got to realize one of these things, and I'm going to make a little stump speech for the Book of Mormon if I haven't made 100 already. <laughs> this book was given so we would not stumble. It was not written by the people of our day who received it, you know, us Gentiles, us Americans, whatever. It was written by ancient Israelites, but it was because God saw that in the days way beyond Jesus, that the word would not be well understood, that people would sometimes stumble, and that these people who were departed from Israel, who settled here in the Americas, and it wasn't just one group, there were there were other groups, but we have a record of, of, of two groups of people, basically. But they had a testimony of Jesus. The scripture that says of Joseph's people that they would be like Joseph would be planted by the well. This well is the well of Jesus, this wa- this water of salvation. They would have a testimony of Jesus, and they're bearing this out here to the world to let us know that whoever comes can come in sincerity. There, there's a man I have much respect for. I've never met him. He's he's on the radio and has a large church, and, and he's well-spoken, a great expositor of scripture and yet he holds on to because he doesn't have any reason to challenge it uh, a, a tiny verse in the bible which i believe is just not well translated that suggests that only some get salvation and that's based on god's predestination mm-hmm. that his former he made a decision that no, this is according to this theory and this is this man who understands the word and yet teaches this because he thinks it's part of God's word. The Book of Mormon clearly states no. That's a misunderstanding and and nothing about this man. There's many people who've taken this scripture from the Bible wrongly. God did not decide before you came to earth, well, I'm not going to save you. I'll give every implication that you can be saved, but ha sorry. Like that little board game there used to be, you know, all of a sudden you jumped on someone else's board <laughs> and you took their piece and you rang the little bell. Sorry. Right. You know? No, God says, I'm offering this freely <laughs> for all, for all. And so this is the hopeful message that this book has been given as a gift to us to, to hopefully bring to the world um, this book wasn't given just so that a group of people could say, well, look, we're God's church and we're this because we have this book. The book was given so that people could come to Christ and know how to come to Christ and know how, and, and how to find him, that with the sincerity of their call, whether it's that young woman suffering or, or you and me in our sufferings or anyone who hasn't even yet called upon the name of Jesus, he says, he takes the vilest of sinners and murderers as an example in this book, and he changes their hearts instantly, and they become witnesses for the Savior. And if he could do that with them, he can do that, and will do that with us. Another very plain uh, message that we should continually have before our eyes is not only the need to have our garments washed white, but the fact that Every person is invited to have those garments washed white in the blood of Christ 
that it's free and he just requires a sincere heart so that he can do his work and cleanse us. I love that. I love the, the added info from the Book of Mormon that expounds on Isaiah's thoughts as Nephi does. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. There's more of that to come. And so while you're pondering these words, just remember we're all walking each other home. And if you get a chance to walk by Mike's house, this jerky is great. It's been sitting in front of me for the last hour, and I'm going to finish my piece right now. <laughs> Thanks, brother. <laughs> and now-